You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. It's very interesting that as you look across the landscape of marriages, that, man, there is just all kinds of struggle, and there's all kinds of, of difficulty, it seems. At least there is in my world right now. I've had lots of people that have emailed that I know or that I that know me by know me of a friend, you know, friend of a friend kind of a stuff. And it just seems like there's just been this onslaught. And a lot of it is tied to sex, Shannon, which leads me right to this is why we do Sexy Marriage Radio. Yeah. Because we want to speak into the void that is in the technology world and in the audio world in large part on iTunes that's, that's an advocate for good outstanding, fantastic, pleasurable, orgasmic married sex. Because it's really the glue that holds so many couples together that even when the tensions rise and parenting conflicts are there and money struggles exist and all that jazz, sex can bring a husband and wife together in a way that nothing else can. It sure can. And then what's interesting is the exact opposite of that is often true as well. That, man, we get along great as parents. We get along great as running the household. But, man, in the bedroom, it sucks. (laughs) And not in a good way. And not in a good way, exactly. (laughs) Well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio, and if you want to give us your thoughts, feedback, comments, concerns, questions, please send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Shannon and I read every single thing that comes in. Sometimes we respond to them, and sometimes those are a future show. And we want to make sure we're speaking to what helps you and what, what makes your marriage and your bedroom hot and fantastic in 2014. We also want you to jump on to iTunes if you enjoy the show. Give us a review. Give us five stars if you like it. Give us one star if you don't. I'm good with that. But we do want to to climb the charts, spread the word. So tell everybody you know, and maybe this year we can revolutionize what happens in people's bedrooms in their married life. So, all right, here's this is one of the things that I, that commonly comes up, Shannon, that. You know, you're you're kind of new as my co-host, so we're 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 retreading some ground that we've covered before. But man, you add a whole different take to things, so it's it's great to explore new paths because we can go deeper, we can go different routes, we can explore in ways maybe we hadn't thought of before. So those of you that have have been a part of the Sexy Marriage Radio community for years, thank you. But man, we've still got lots and lots we can talk about, <laughs> and and one <laughs> of the things that comes up a lot is this idea of, okay, I want to do this in bed. My spouse doesn't, or they don't, they think it's, they think it's wrong. They think it's a sin. If they have some sort of a Christian or religious bent to them, they think that it's, it's immoral or it's inappropriate. And, and it just seems like, man, if there's ever an area of our life that can become burdensome in sex, one of them, yeah, and combining our sexuality and spirituality to where the two are integrated, kind of two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. that should not add a burden to us. <laughs> that should free us of the burden. That should set us totally free. Um, as a matter of fact, the book that just released in bookstores this month, Corey, um, uh, that I've recently written is called The Passion Principles, and the subtitle is Celebrating Sexual Freedom in Marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to get to talk today to people who do have questions about integrating their sexuality and their spirituality together. And you used a word just now that really stuck out in my mind, 
the word revolutionize. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely what we're trying to do here is revolutionize people's uh, sex lives, revolutionize their marriage, revolutionize their family. I mean, it just has so many positive ripple effects. Well, I want to tell you about a question that was posed to me by a professor in a human sexuality class one time that totally revolutionized my view of both God and my sex life. Okay. He asked the question, and I'm going to ask it to you, Corey. I'm going to let you chew on it for a minute with me. How is your relationship with God sexual in nature? Oh, I can't talk about that. that that's, that's not what God... No. <laughs> it just seems so taboo, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> oh, but we that's, can. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. And, and I was kind of flabbergasted at first. Like, are you serious? Like, that just... It almost seemed like heresy in the moment, you right. know? But he said, I'm going to give you... Uh, I'm going to break you up into small groups and give you two hours to discuss this. And I thought, two hours? We can do that in two minutes. But after we got into this two-hour discussion, what I realized is we could have talked about it for two days and not exhausted all the components. So how would you answer that question, Corey? Um, Well, if you think about it, a lot of the different components that are evident or present in a sexual relationship, they're going to be present in a spiritual relationship. Trust safety, security, value, um, vulnerability, vulnerability, pleasure, passion, yep. synergy, euphoria, purpose. Yeah. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. And I hope that today's listeners will kind of catch the vision that their sexuality and their spirituality do not have to be at odds with each other. Right. They, yeah. Because they, they, really they, they're, to- they're totally inter- intertwined. I love that idea. Yes. Yes. And that's where, are you familiar with Rob Bell? I'm guessing you probably are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In his book, um, Sex God. Sex God. I love it because the very first chapter talks about how this is related to that. Yep. Totally brilliant. Yeah. Um, and my philosophy is that, um, you know, why choose one or the other? Why choose, why think that you can be sexual, but you can't be spiritual or you can be spiritual, but you can't be sexual. It's kind of like a chocolate and vanilla swirl ice cream cone, you know, just mix the two of them together. And it's much better than if you just had one without the other. <laughs> and then if you add some sprinkles on top, it's even Woo-hoo! better. <laughs> yeah. Cause Let's that's about some of those sprinkles. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it, I mean, look at it this way too, that I think that whether somebody has a religious bent or a spiritual bent that it's attributed to God or not, I think we all, as human beings, have this awareness of an interconnectedness between us, of this, of this realm, if you will. And I think that's what we're phrasing is, is, is in the terms of spirituality in this conversation. Yeah. But we all have it. It's just that, it's that ability when you're sitting, on, sitting near somebody and you can kind of sense something from somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an interconnectedness that ex- that happens between us. And, and that kindred spirit. Right. And, yep. and I think that's what can be tapped into that makes such fantastic sex with a spouse is, mm. is there's, that, there's that part that exists between us. And that part houses a ton of stuff. But when it, when it works out well and we're both really present and we acknowledge that, man, that's where you get that follow, connect, follow the connection sex. And that's the kind of stuff that's just great. That's the stuff I I long to seek and to recreate in my marriage are those moments where it's like, man, that was really, really good. Yeah. When it, when it felt like, uh, you know, like you just attended a, a big um, revival. Right. Yeah. It's right. Like, Whoa, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do a little victory dance? Yeah. And it, but what's so sad about it is if you think about it, when it, if you come at it from the other side, 
that, man, churches and religious dogma has really burdened people. Yeah, some of it can be a real boner killer. Pardon the expression. <laughs> no, it's <but> perfect. <laughs> there's really no better way to yep. describe it. And I don't think that it's necessary. Do you? No, it's not. Because what happens, I mean, what we're talking about so far in the show is it's all such a personal thing. And how easily that dovetails straight into our sex life. That's a personal thing. Yeah. I mean, that's... And there is freedom in the yeah. marriage bed. There is freedom in the marriage bed. I, th- I think that where the church has gone wrong at times is is to not delineate that, um, you know, yes, there are sexual things out there in the world outside of a marriage relationship that, yes, it can, it can certainly bring you down. Right. But I think that those very things can often bring a marriage way up as long as it's celebrated between a consensual husband and wife and the privacy of their own marriage bed. Right. Um, but the church doesn't talk a lot about that. So aren't you glad that we are? So let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. Because that's that's the one thing, and, and we have been advocates all along of one of the best things you can do for your marriage and, and for specifically for your sex life is just start talking. Yeah. You know, just start talking with each other about, hey, this is this is what I'm interested in. This is what I long for. This is what I want. And I realize there's a lot of risk involved with doing this. You know, mm-hmm. you, you risk you know, being more vulnerable <laughs> and because and, a lot of the things you want to try it, you need them to participate. Sure. And it's very vulnerable to say to someone, I need you. Right. And it's, and it re- opens up that possibility. I mean, I know as a, as a married man, if there's something I want to try out with, with Pam at some point, and I, I'm like, uh, I'm just going to spring it on her. I know if I do that, I, I risk that. Well, where did you learn that from? And well, I don't want to talk about that, where I learned that, you know. I think that we need to consider the fact that we don't always have to learn something from somewhere else. The human <laughs> brain is pretty creative. True. You know, I have thought of some things in my lifetime that I think I have never seen that. I have never heard that. I have never read that. But boy, wouldn't it be fun? Right. <laughs> and fortunately, my husband has usually agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. And. Because think about it this way. Let's, let's frame it this way too, Shannon, because we've talked about this, I think, at one point about, you know, sex is leftovers. That what we do in our in our bedroom is, is largely leftovers. It's I, I will decide whatever I think is sick, dis- disgusting or perverted and I want that I won't want to do. Pam gets to decide whatever she thinks is sick, disgusting or perverted, which she doesn't want to do. And we do whatever's left over. <laughs> how I describe it is kind of that MasterCard logo where you have two overlapping circles. Right. One represents what she'll do and the other represents what he wants to do. And you just focus on that part in the middle. But I do think that it's every couple's responsibility, every spouse's responsibility to see how closely you can move those circles to where that middle section gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And largely that starts with the conversa- with conversations, doesn't it? And it does. It, it starts with being willing to just start talking. And one of the most important questions is that whatever there is in your mind that is so taboo or so forbidden or might be so sinful or dirty or nasty or whatever, however you describe it, how about just asking yourself, where does that taboo even come from? Oh, because a- there's a lot of things that your spouse might be really interested in doing that is not forbidden in any spiritual book anywhere out there not the bible not the quran it's just it's just a a personal preference like i remember there was this one gal who wrote into me and she said my husband has always wanted me to paint my fingernails red and kind of play the vixen 
And she was just real turned off by that because she just thought that that would make her a dirty, bad girl. And, you know, the Bible kind of talks a lot about, you know, not being a bad girl. And, and she said the light came on in her mind one day though, that what skin would that be off of her nose if she painted her fingernails red? And she asked herself, where did I get the idea that that is too racy and too outside my comfort zone. Right. And she realized that her maternal grandmother, who was kind of a, a mean, evil person in her opinion, uh, always painted her fingernails red. And that was <laughs> okay. the connection. And okay. she said, as soon as I was able to disconnect from that and paint my fingernails red, just to see what my husband's response was, she said, oh my goodness, it, it, it really threw me for a loop. And right. she was like, red's become my favorite color now. So <laughs> Just step outside your comfort zone after you examine where the taboo even comes from and see if you can't discover a lot more freedom and a lot more passion and a lot more joy as a result. Yeah, and and it's also it takes tremendous courage sometimes even just to be willing to explore that. Yeah. You know, to sit down and say, okay, where where did my sexual language come from? You know, mm -hmm. where where did all the terminology I believe in or all the things I'm willing to do. And I mean, there's, there's a great resource that was put out by the purebed.com mm -hmm. called our intimate choices. Ooh. And I'll put a link to it on our site at sexymarriageradio.com. So it'll be under this show. And it's just a, it's like a four page or so six page document that just goes through. Here's things to talk about. And it's the idea is you print it out. You have one, your spouse has one and you go through and answer them separately. And then you come together and talk about it. So it, it truly does start, okay, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about that? How do I feel about, and it, so it kind of helps you get an idea of that. So it's not just an ambiguous, Hey, you know, cause I could think I could see some couples let's, well, I was listening to sexy marriage radio and they said, we need to talk about this. So let's talk about it. Where do we start? <laughs> you know, what, what, what I, I think that what us having sex is okay. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> um, you know, so you need something to frame it. And so this is a great resource to do that. And if, even if, and I'll add this little caveat, because I know bringing it up with your spouse can be terrifying sometimes. But going through it yourself, great. Because then at least I'm starting, you're starting to expand your own horizons and possibilities. Yeah. And it can be scary both ways. It can be scary to say, hey, there's something that I really want to do and try and experience. But it can also be scary to say, you know, that that we recently tried, I, I really struggled with that. I didn't enjoy it. You know, right. It's one thing to say it would be wrong spiritually. Right. right. Um, and I think a lot of the things that people say would be wrong spiritually, there's nothing in scripture saying that that would be wrong. These are just, again, taboos that were placed in their brain from right. early on in their childhood. But if it, if you simply didn't find it pleasurable at all, or if you found it painful or just distasteful or whatever, to even find the courage to speak up and say that yep. can also be really scary because you don't want to dampen your partner and their libido. And, but you also don't want to be seen as a prude or, you know, and you don't want to be seen as kinky. I mean, there's all these different ends of the spectrum that we don't want to be labeled as. We, we just want to find that healthy middle ground. But that means opening the lines of communication and talking about what you want, what you're willing to to do, because that's what your spouse wants to do, and and how far is too far. Right, right. And, and that's and, go ahead. And just because it's too far today doesn't mean that a year from now or ten years from now or whatever that it'll still be too far. Like I've talked to women at conferences where, um, 
you know, after they've heard me speak, they go home and they try something that 20 years earlier in their marriage, they had taken off the table totally, right. but they just feel more set free. So right. they go home and, and whether it's oral sex, whether it's uh, wearing lingerie or, you know, whatever, they just find this new freedom. So don't ever think that where you are today sexually is where you will always be. Right. Cause, Cause that's look at it developmentally. I mean, when you were a child and first learned about French kissing, I would imagine, <laughs> yeah, I imagine your first reaction was, you do what with your yeah. tongue? You got to be kidding me. Yeah. Uh, why would I do that? It's cold and flu season. I mean, and, come on. And, and remember when you first heard about oral sex, yep. and you might have turned green and, and just barfed. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I do what? With, uh, what? No. But then as you grow older and you actually start to experience some of those things, you know, you muster up the courage to really try it. Because think about it. The very first time you try some of these things, you know, large, largely in it, you just close your eyes and hope for the best. You know, just I'm going to try it. Let's just see. <laughs> and I don't know. And then you all of a sudden you start realizing, wait, this is, this is actually kind of fun. Ooh, this actually kind of produces a pretty good response. Ooh, and then you start seeing the complexity that's involved in it that it's not really as complex as you thought, but it means a whole lot more. Well, it's, it's kind of like when you feed a baby a first taste of a certain baby food, they right. automatically spit it out. It's, right. just, it's not familiar to them. And they say that it takes on average 10 times for a baby to, you know, to grow accustomed to a certain flavor. I think the same could be true in our marriage bed. It may take several times for you to develop a taste or an appetite yep. for that certain thing, but it may become one of your favorite sexual activities. Yep. Re recently, I read um, that the defi the real definition of sin, like the essence of sin, is simply a refusal to grow. And I think that we definitely need to look at our sex lives as an opportunity to explore, to grow, to be playful, yep. to connect in ways with our spouse that we simply don't connect with any other person on the yeah. planet. You know, it just creates that cement that holds a marriage together in a way that nothing else can. And we are huge advocates of people growing because that's what creates the best marriages. That's what that's what creates the possibilities of just exceptional times together. That that when you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and grow, the possibilities are limitless, aren't they? Well, and you're not just growing sexually. Right. I think you're also growing spiritually. Because I know that in my journey, as my sexuality has blossomed over the past 23 years of marriage to Greg, I also feel as if my spirituality has blossomed at about the same rate. Yeah. Because I begin to look at sex as such a huge gift from my creator. Yeah. The, the way that he created my body, the way he created Greg's body, and the way they fit together, and just the feelings that are associated with just that sexual intimate act— it just makes me, you know, want to praise and worship him all the more. Right. You know, it, it, I just think that it's so amazing what all needs healthy sex actually meets. I actually have a list in the Passion Principles of what else in all of creation could so effectively comfort us when we're sad, calm us when we're anxious, provide an outlet for expression when we're excited, relieve boredom, help you forget your current trials and tribulations, make you sleep better provide intense guilt-free pleasure, mm -hmm. help you feel deeply connected to another human being and to God, erase feelings of loneliness and isolation, give you an interesting break from your daily routine, relieve stress and even certain aches and pains, enhance your overall health and vitality, fulfill your hopes and dreams of parenthood, 
Rev your engine, float your boat, light your fire, send sparks through your brain and shivers down your spine and make you feel so giddy and so special and so cherished and so celebrated. Only sex can do all of that yep. and do it really well. Yep. God really knew what he was doing Absolutely. when he created this or whoever your higher power is. Yeah, you know, I think that we can all acknowledge that we didn't design our own bodies and we didn't create our hot spots that we were, you know, <laughs> we're totally subjected to uh, whoever created this wonderful um, thing and and it certainly should elicit some sort of feeling of gratitude and euphoria that we were given such an amazing gift. Exactly. And it's and if you look at it through the context we've talked about so far in this show is how sex is so interwoven and intertwined into our lives that, you know, if you think of how we approach sex, I mean, that's how we approach life. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, this is related to that. They, they, they go so seamlessly that you can think of, so that opens up the possibility of sex becoming more of a laboratory for how you want to do life as well. You yeah. know, what if I go ahead and try, try to add a little more risk or vulnerability to my sex life? Well, I'm going to do that to my life as well. And that's just is, is broadening who you are. It's, it's deepening who you are even. And that's, that's the idea that we're big advocates of with Sexy Marriage Radio is how to expand yourself so therefore you can expand your relationship and, and get more out of life, get, experience more out of marriage. Yeah, we all long for connection as human beings. That right. is our deepest felt need. And how closer can you get? Of course, there, there are lots of people having sex out there that they're just going through the motions, but they don't have that deep emotional and spiritual connection with that other human being. Right. And that's unfortunate uh, because sex should certainly be producing a more spiritual connection and a more spiritual connection with your spouse should certainly produce feelings of, of sexual arousal and interest and all that jazz. Two sides of the same coin right. that work in tandem with one another. They don't have to fight against each other. But what about some of those husbands and wives? And, and I, I'm very intentional about saying husbands because it's not just women who right. have spiritual taboos about a lot of sexual things. Uh, there are women who frequently email me saying, you know, well, my husband was raised in a, I won't say which particular type of church I hear from most often, but that they, he was raised with the notion that sex is dirty, sex is bad. He's the one who feels guilty. He's the one who won't become adventurous and try new things. Corey, what do you have to say to that guy who was just raised <laughs> with a heavy spiritual yoke on his shoulders and he thinks his sexuality is this dark, bad, sinful part of himself? Well, that's a deeper question than we could possibly answer <laughs> right now. But Future show. Yeah, I'm making a, a yeah it, it definitely could be a, a deeper because we could go more in depth. But to me, it, what it boils down to when you think of the journey of most men and specifically in today's day and age, oftentimes sex is equated with shame because yep. our introduction to sex is through pornography or some other things that have some sort of guilt and shame associated with it. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard for the brain to delineate between the two as it gets more and more ingrained. So therefore, if I feel some sort of a sexual pleasure or joy, if it's tied back to something that I had in childhood, which was wrong, quote unquote, well, it's hard to overcome that. And so it becomes this whole, okay, well, how do I navigate? The, you know, and it, you think about it, the, today's day and age, there's generation of boys being raised with sex education with pornography. Right. Which I was isn't say, real. 
I, I, I think that what you're saying is true both for men and for women. Yeah. That when our first exposure is through an avenue that feels wrong and inappropriate and dirty and we're afraid we'll get in trouble, it, it does. It creates a, a pathway in the brain that, that says, I should be ashamed of this. Right. So yeah, letting that go, really it's the responsibility of the parents to teach you yeah. about your sexuality and how to love well and the proper context and all that. And that's why the past shows that we've done, I think are so important for those who have just dove into this show and haven't listened to the most recent ones about uh, raising sexually healthy children. I would definitely encourage yeah. them to go back. But if your parents didn't instill those healthy sexual values that God created you this way, this is something to be celebrated, certainly something to protect, but definitely something to cherish. This is a beautiful part of who you are. Very natural, very normal. Feel free in marriage to explore, play, have all the pleasure you want. That's unfortunate that we didn't get that message. Yeah. And it also. And so hopefully we're giving the message today, yeah. Corey. And I hope so. But another thing came to my mind on what do I say to that man is to realize that the way a lot of men have been raised has been by women, <laughs> that masculinity hasn't been passed down from men to men as much. Mm. And. Not that women can't be, do really well in raising a boy, but there's certain things a man needs to do with a boy. Right. And some of that is just embracing who we are as men and, and that that is perfectly okay, that, that we have the animalistic nature within us, that we have a little more aggression in us sometimes. And there's healthy ways for those things to come out. Mm -hmm. And so... It's, it's almost a rewiring, a retooling of our brain to realize, hey, I'm okay as a man. And that's, I mean, that's something I, my journey has been, that I was, I was the prototypical nice guy, if you will, that fully believed in the first several years of my marriage, happy wife equals happy life. So that meant I would not do anything to make Pam upset. So if I made a move and she got upset, well, I can't make that move now. You know, because it was all about if 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 I make her mad, there's no way I'm ever having sex in my life again. And <laughs> and the, you know, it's it's so simplistic, but it's so wrong. Isn't it great that it doesn't work that oh, way? Oh <laughs> yeah, and and one of the things <laughs> I've actually good. found with the complexity of a woman, and because and I'm sure this isn't just Pam, but with the complexity of a woman, and then just in humans in general, me being me, even when that makes her mad, opens the likelihood of better sex down the road. Because it's me being me. And if she's attracted to that, she's going to want to be a part of that. Yeah. I've heard it said that men become men in the presence of men. Yep. And so women obviously become women in the presence of women. But I'm, I'm going to add a caveat to that. Healthy men become healthy men right. in the presence of healthy men. Right. And same thing with women. And so if you weren't raised in the presence of a healthy man or a healthy woman and you've had an unhealthy image I pray that this show, that this, you know, that, that all of these shows would set you free to yeah. see your sexuality as a huge gift from God, regardless of how you perceive God, your higher power, whoever you acknowledge as being that creator. Um, I, I just hope that you will shut those taboos and just shed that spiritual yoke and not feel bad about your sexuality at all yeah. and just celebrate it. Be playful, explore, open your mind to the possibilities that if your spouse wants to do something, give it a try, yeah. try it at least 10 times before you keep spitting it out and saying no to it. You, know? <laughs> you, you might just discover that it does become your favorite thing to do. You might. <laughs> and, and another step forward that could help you is have a journey along these lines with someone of your same gender in the sense of have conversations with them 
that is real. You know, I think of there's a there's a good friend of mine that has tr- he's trying to put together this group of husbands that are gonna, we're going to meet regularly, and it's truly a no holds barred, become better men, become better lovers kind of a of a journey. With wow, our, how with vulnerable our, of those with men. our wives exactly. I mean, most men, if you think about it on the surface, there's no way I don't want to do that. But deep down. When you see a glimpse or you catch a taste, a glimpse of what you can become with your spouse, don't we try everything we can to get back to it? So yeah. one of those things can be, I need to be real with some other guys and learn how to be a better guy. And this is so much more than just locker room talk, oh, right? Absolutely, this, this yeah. This is this is not a place where they brag about their exploits no, or out their wives no. about what they're willing or not willing to do. No, this is hopefully this is, this true. is really respectful conversation. Right. This is this is true. Iron sharpens iron kind of yeah. stuff. This yeah. is true. And I would encourage women to do the yeah. same thing. Even though it's natural for women to talk, it's not natural for women to talk in a healthy way about their sexuality. Right. Yeah. Because so, this is the whole the whole point is to be an advocate for better in our lives and in our marriages. Mm-hmm. And our personal best. Yeah. Striving to be our personal best in our marriage and in our marriage bed. Yeah. And that's, if you think about it, that's largely the journey of Sexy Marriage Radio that we are here as a, a, a male and a female trying to bring both sides of the equation, representing two different marriages, and but lots of different journey and length of journey to just be advocates for people to say, hey, here is a safe place you can come and have honest conversations about what goes on behind closed doors. And maybe it starts conversations. Maybe it helps take you down paths you haven't been willing to, to go before. Maybe it gives you a new insight. And then that leads to something else. That's what we're here for. I'm so glad we're doing this. I hope our listeners are too. Yeah. And, and so what makes what, what jumps to my mind is, you know, we have lots of times where someone will say, how do I get my spouse to listen to this? You know, how do I? Well, okay. Maybe based on what we just talked about in the show, maybe you need to have another friend listening to it. You know, some if you're a female, get a female friend to listen to it. And then you guys get together for coffee and talk about it, how that applies to your life. And then you take it to your marriage. Maybe that's a route that's viable, too. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Wherever you have been taking out your time to listen to us, I want to say thank you. Please spread the word and join us again. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope that it is great. And blessings on everything that's to come.